Hi, and welcome once again to What's the Damage, companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular real play D&D show, Roll for Damage. Last time on stream, we had a little bit of a party, but this week we're back to serious business, very serious business. So on Friday, the Shields of Twilight were grumpy as hell. Uh, for possibly magic reasons, they ventured back into the jungle grumpily in search of ocean and tribe members who had gone mysteriously missing. Um, they climbed on some vines, also grumpily, met some, and met in the forest what appeared to be those very missing ocean accompanied by some ogres. Um, unfortunately, they were neither friendly nor interested in talking. There was a fight. Um, and the shields were left with only more questions and some mysterious patterns to puzzle over. We'll be puzzling over those very same patterns ourselves uh, in mere moments. And then we'll be talking about new players and the best way to introduce them to the wonderful and wacky world of dungeons and also dragons. As always, stick around after the stream for things to think about, organizations to support, and great places to send your spare change. I am your host, Truth Ensign, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. Joining me today, we have two lovely guests, only two this time. We've got the wonderful Laura, who was here last week, and the wonderful G, who was here last week, who play Perry and Oriana, respectively. You probably know this by now, unless you're new, in which case you wouldn't know that. They play Perry and Oriana, re respectively. So um, we had a fun little party last week, uh, but this week is back to normal. Um, and we're going to be actually talking about the episode, which we didn't get a chance to do last week because we were doing our retrospective. So you all woke up on the wrong side of the bed and not even swinging on vines like George of the Jungle was enough to cheer you guys up. What's the damage? Uh. <laughs> a lot. Mm. Um, significantly I just favored on Quinn, I believe, would be a uh, good answer. Um, <laughs> uh, super, super grateful for that calm motion there in the end, uh, because being perpetually pissed off for an entire game was an adventure. Wow, must have been. 
Um, because Perry is not a grouchy person, usually. Yeah, she's usually pretty cheerful. Occasionally emotional, but not usually mad about stuff. Um, but we'll be talking about that in a little bit. So first, we're going to backtrack a little bit to the episode before last, because I wanted to ask you guys um, what it was like being read by the ocean leader um when she did like your little fortune telling thing what did that what did your reading mean to your character in particular or how they interpret it because it was pretty interesting to watch mm-hmm. uh do you want to go or i mean first of all when the dm says three of swords and you know anything about tarot you pee your pants just a little bit um so like the first thing she says is three of swords and I'm like we're first okay okay we can talk not great yeah not the best thing for reference the three of swords is a very dramatic card it's a heart with three swords stuck into it Mm -hmm. it's it's bad (laughs) uh swords in general really rough haunt my life um as as a person who does enjoy tarot on the regular um I super enjoyed it. I like when stuff like that gets worked in the game. Um, the things like the Taroka deck and Strahd really make me happy. Um, so like, it was a really cool moment and a really unique thing to work into the game. And it all applied so well. It was phenomenal. Um, and, and knowing some of the cards, because I'm not by no means an expert, um but like knowing some of the cards and hearing those cards you know pulled for other people like you hear the tower and if you know anything about tarot the tower is nasty um it is like typically a really bad card uh so like i'm cringing um but i really enjoyed it and for perry it was like okay well i know these things but it's good to have someone else acknowledge them because she carries a lot of that within her rather than trying to burden her friends because her friends mm-hmm. have all got so much shit going on that she's like, well, I can handle mine. I'm fine. It's, it's cool. I'll just, I'll go over there and I'll meditate and I'll draw and I'll pretend I'm great, uh, which made her little explosion for the rest of last session really fun because a lot of pent up expo- uh, you know, frustration just kind of. Uh, well, if, if Laura's not an expert in tarot, then I am whatever the opposite of an expert is. Uh, I have no idea the meanings of most cards, except for the tower being bad, because it was explained to me very recently that it is a representation of the Tower of Babel. Um, I personally have never put much faith, as I think I think the three people in this call know, DM, of course, always hiding in the background. Um, I, I've never really been one who, who who goes with that, but for some reason, I am convinced that Serenity has made some sort of dark pact with an eldritch entity of some kind, because apparently she always draws, like, the perfect cards for everything. She does it in another game as, Very true. as, as a part of, like, a long rest. The character will draw cards, and she will physically draw cards in real life, and it is exactly what we expect uh, about to, mm-hmm. to happen bad things when bad things are about to happen curious things when curious things happen so i'm convinced she has made some sort of dark pact i mean you just have to know what you're doing and yeah. have some intuition to be honest. fortune telling you know 
I mean, yeah, it's I just a little it. psychic ability. It's not a big deal. Um, <laughs> it's just superpowers. Whatever. Everyone has them. It's just the third eye. It's not a deal. Um, uh, cool beans. Um, but what about Oriana? Like, is she, does she have any um, experience with fortune telling in the past, or is she more like like Jake, who's not really as familiar with that kind of stuff? Because she's um, a magic practitioner. She is a magic practitioner, and I I think the fortune telling less comes to her as like this reading of the mystic ley lines and rather more of a acute awareness of magic and how it works and perhaps able to read the magic rather than you know predicting the future necessarily so for her it was a little unnerving i guess to have her past and present kind of read to her by some by some complete stranger who seems to know everything about her um, but she probably attributes it more to magic than any sort of supernatural sort of effect. I mean, isn't magic, I mean, magic's real in D&D. Magic's so. real in D&D. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I, we should I, really, I find it interesting, the, like, stark differences often between Perry and Oriana, because, like, mm-hmm. Perry comes from this background where I'm sure there is a type of soothsaying in her home village. It's probably not tarot. I imagine it's probably more like, you know, reading the bones or reading runes or something. Um, But but, um, like for her, this was like a very natural thing. Okay, the the village elder is going to read my fortune. This happens, it's cool. What Mm -hmm. she got to show for me. And and it's really interesting. And I always find it really cool because Jake and I have these characters who are similar in some ways, but like have these like starkly different upbringings Mm -hmm. and views on the world. And it makes their relationship really funny. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Melody over there all prissy and stuff. And Perry is like, what? I'm just going to take my clothes off and go bathe. It's fine. Perry's got like sticks in her hair and she's like, that's great. I'm going to commune with that mushroom. (laughs) Yeah, be right back. I got a little talk to a tree. Tree says you're a jackass, by the way. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's what I would do if I had plants. I'd always pretend the plants agree with my opinions. Anyway, um, okay, so uh, we are going to go back to like what you were saying before about like playing um, playing Perry very angry all um, all episode because like I don't think either of your characters are really mad people usually like you both like both your characters feel emotions pretty deeply obviously we see that on screen but you're I don't think I've ever seen either one of you be more than annoyed before so what was that like being like just being really grumpy and mad for a whole episode how is playing that different than normal um like I said I always have Perry Perry plays things kind of like she's sort of a caretaker so she puts her own shit on the back burner um and this was a fun moment to like let all of her frustration out she has been irritated with everybody on some level at some point and she's either not really said anything or let it go and so it was really fun to just have her be just annoyed with everything and I decided that the way that I would play that was as long as this went on Perry's gonna be like me and that irritation is just gonna keep rising it's okay for first it's just okay well everything sucks and then the next thing is you know eventually to the point where look at this asshole breathing like they own the world um 
So it was really fun, but also like unnerving because I was, I spent the whole time going, am I taking this too far? Mm-hmm. Have I reached the point where Perry's literally the bitchiest character on the planet and everybody hates her now? Somebody please cast calm emotions. That'd be great. Um, help. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it because it let me let loose in a way that I haven't really for Perry. It was really weird for me honestly like the the dm just telling you okay you're very angry now and i'm like hmm okay what what would angry oriana look like honestly because she doesn't really get mad she's very much uh the the practitioner of anger is one of those emotions that's too strong for something you hate or whatever Mm um which is why she gets mildly frustrated with the group occasionally and has had a few moments of like i'm very mad with all of you right now um because she cares about the group but just like she's grumpy and she doesn't know why that was very hard for me to play because she's used to like valuing the reason why she's angry i'm mad Mm -hmm. at quinn because you know he 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 didn't want to listen to my advice and we went with this thing and now we've killed a bunch of people. Uh, or uh, what, what was the other thing that really got her angry? When when um, when she was very uh, nervous in um, where, uh, where were we? Uh, Saratan. Uh, mm-hmm. No, Zerithamar. Zerithamar. Uh, when we were actually in the city and stuff was kind of falling to pieces and she kind of wanted to take a step back and see if we could just you know figure out a different plan of attack and nobody really wanted to listen to her on that um you know so without like a source of anger i kind of was just like okay i'm just gonna play her as like peeved and Mm -hmm. like a bit just like a i'm i'm just done with this and that's ironically when oriana gets very quiet because she's just like oh oh okay you don't want to listen to me fine I'll stop talking. She's sulking. Mm-hmm. She, she's very much the honey. You okay? Honey, you okay? I'm fine. <laughs> that's a uh, really actually good way to describe it. Like that's the vibe I got. Was like Oriana was gonna lie and say everything was fine, but it is that fine that I use when I am the angriest. Yeah. yeah. The fine of doom. Um, yeah. So, Laura, you mentioned this before, but I wanted to ask you guys. So, you're both artificially grumpy, but were your characters expressing like some genuine frustrations that had been building? I think Perry I mean, definitely was. Yeah, I, I, I think Perry definitely was just a little bit. Like, there were just all these little things that have irked her for so long. And like, there was just this like little release valve mm-hmm. that was happening. And for her, when she finally gets around to accepting the catastrophe that's around her right now, she's going to be a little grateful for being able to release some of that because she is now at this point where she feels like she's going to explode and like a super bad emotion and an explosion. She was legitimately concerned like, Oh yeah, no, let me, let me go out here mad as hell because I don't know what my magic will do. If I lose my temper, um, that's, that's great. That's just fantastic. Um, so now she's even more aware of her own emotions and like what they can do. Uh, so for her, this was probably a good thing. 
mm-hmm. in the long run because she's not carrying so much of that. But mm. I'm just okay. grateful that the wild magic or whatever that keeps happening didn't spawn a sphere of annihilation on top of us. <laughs> <laughs> Next episode. Next episode. Uh, we are I just think... one failed wisdom save away. <laughs> um, I think had uh, had the uh, the person in, uh, in the tribe not cast calm emotions on Oriana, maybe on the trip out into the forest, we probably would have seen her venting some of her grievances. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like, sh- it, it's too important of a thing for her. She's not going to just vent because she's a little bit grumpy. She she wants to hold on to that because mm-hmm. it's important to her. So I yeah, I, I think like if if the initial one hadn't worked, probably we would have seen her like chewing out Quinn and Baltaim and probably everybody. And Baltaim wasn't even there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was there, but Khalil wasn't there. He couldn't defend yeah. himself. Um, yeah, I think Orion seems like very stoic in the way rich people are stoic because she's mm-hmm. a, was raised as a noble, so it's very like stiff it's, upper lip. It, it comes out the most when she's feeling strong emotions. I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I attribute that to kind of like the, the noble upbringing of, you know, oh, you, you can't be like this, Oriana, you know, you have to be prim and proper. So she sort of naturally kind of goes into this more sort of prim, not, not prim and proper necessary, but more, well, like you said, stoic. Yeah. When she's angry, she's stoic because she doesn't want to vent it so that, you know, it, it looks bad on the family or whatever. Yeah. And she, it would be very inappropriate for her to lose her temper, and she knows it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really enjoy that characterization because she's so different from everybody else. Like, she clearly didn't grow up the way the rest of us did. And, like, people have taught this girl to be the most buttoned-up girl <laughs> on the planet. And everything we do is inappropriate mm-hmm. for her, and it's hilarious. <laughs> Well, and, and that's what I love about this character because she's actively trying to learn about the world. So you get to see that sort of curiosity of her like opening up and going to a bathhouse and being naked in front of people who aren't her family. Um, and then you also get to see the like more noble side come out where, you know, no, I'm, I'm all right. I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> it's all perfectly all right. <laughs> It's not her accent at all, but it just seemed appropriate. Okay, okay. Um, we have other things to talk about today. Um, so moving on from the emotional kerfuffle, which was the beginning of this episode, um, did you guys like have any idea of what you might be walking into when you ventured back into the jungle? Because it did seem initially like it was going to be much more complicated than a hydra, which I think it proved to be. We still haven't figured out what it is. I have no idea, and I had no idea walking in. I was like, okay, I don't think that this one's going to be a straight-up fight. Mm-hmm. I think we might have to fight some stuff, but this is beyond a fight um, because these tests are not supposed to be straightforward. Like, okay, cool, we went and killed a Hydra. Um, but now things are more complicated and more difficult. Um, so I, for one, had no idea what we were walking into. Um and I still don't. I have a theory, but um, no idea yet. 
Uh, I have theories as well, and I I kind of expected since we had the big Hydra fight, which kind of felt like the big sort of. I feel like Serenity kind of likes to divvy up a, a quest line, if you will, mm-hmm. with sort of equal parts, RP, uh, intrigue, puzzle, and combat. Like, she doesn't like going all one way. So I didn't expect there to be much combat, and that's part of the reason why uh, I as a character, not necessarily Oriana, I as a character decided, yeah, I'm not going to burn much of my spells in this, because this doesn't feel like this is, like, a big encounter. This feels like mm-hmm. the, oh, you guys probably should have handled moving through the jungle a different way, maybe? So we're getting punished with, like, a little encounter to kind of burn some stuff. I mean, I don't know. Maybe somebody's blighted flute playing needed to stop. Um... <laughs> I mean, I got. I mean, I got where Oriana was going with that. Yeah. Um, it was with clever. I knew it wasn't a charm effect though, because we'd mentioned that in the session before. And oh, I knew. Also, it I'm a half yeah. half elf, so um, I would have gotten advantage on those saves, and I did not, and I probably needed them. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I player knew. Oriana had no clue. She yeah. she literally just got this ability. She knows it's supposed to help prevent things from messing with your mind. This is messing with their minds, so it made sense for well, her. No logical conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a fair choice, and honestly, it was a it was a smart play. I don't think it accomplished what we wanted it to, and it clearly got us ambushed. But um, yeah, if this was, I uh, I can't say that as a bard, I wouldn't have done the exact same thing. Yeah, if this was uh, that time I was reincarnated as a slime and I am physically in Oriana's body moving around, I'd be like. Okay, so in D&D, a charm effect, let's see, you're a half, uh, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. doing all that stuff, but Oriana's mm-hmm. not like that, so I try and play her as, a, as that fresh-faced noble, not a, not a seasoned adventurer, has no idea what's going on, but wants to find out. She's got new spells and new flu, and she wants to use both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, so talk to me a little bit about the fight. It was um, not super dire, um, but you did fight some ogres and some mysteriously dotted people. We had really crappy luck. Like we rolled crap initiative um, and we had gotten ambushed. (laughs) And I think that made the fight so much harder. Um, Because these things started attacking us recklessly. and we started just kind of dropping like flies for a minute there. Um, I mean, I see the thing was like, having been through a dungeon crawl with Serenity, I know better than to burn all my shit. Like I know better, but at the same time, like we got to a point where it was like, I I have to be a bear. I have Mm -hmm. a single hit point. If I go down, Quinn's also going down. We're gonna not have a healer pretty soon. Um, but like, I try to conserve my wild shape and I try to be smart, but we just got bad luck getting into it. And once you kind of roll shitty to start a fight, a lot of times it goes downhill for resource usage to catch back up. Mm -hmm. Like if they hadn't gone before us, we would have had a better shot because Cinderic could have done a lot of damage, but they went first. And Quinn and I got shot a lot with arrows, like a lot. That's how it goes sometimes, you know? 
You're just standing when, there getting shot with arrows. Turn yeah, after you turn. just walk in the things and get shot. It happens. It's D&D. Yeah, when four out of six of the player characters have six or less initiative, it's kind <laughs> of hard to, to not burn stuff in a fight. Yeah, you start seeing, hmm, do, do we start just burning stuff and hope for a short rest mm-hmm. so at least two people get their stuff back, or do we start sacrificing people? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We care about more spells, players, resources, player characters. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Jake, do you have anything to add to that or was everything covered there? Uh, I mean, it was an interesting fight for Oriana because it, it's that, it's that classic, don't let a barbarian get into combat with your squishy. Uh, <laughs> and I had a few on me at one point. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Uh, so i got to play the whole uh kite back and hope they don't stick to you uh a bit of D, &D, which thank god for distant whispers finally working on something Mm -hmm. after after how many sessions of using it and stuff saving yeah but it is kind of her signature spell it is her signature spell it's what it's what she's doing in her art now um but yeah it's 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 probably her best spell in terms of it's good damage it's got a great um uh crowd control effect by making mm-hmm. things run away um yeah it's pretty good nice okay um do, 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 do. so do you guys want to share a couple of your theories about what the heck's going on <sighs> i'm sure serenity's nodding in the background she wants to hear that serenity has serenity. heard mine Serenity knows mine. I, I actually talked to her about it right after stream because after mm-hmm. stream we play um, we play video games while we're waiting for it to upload. Uh, and I was just chatting her up about it. Um, my theory boils down to that there is some sort of similar situation to the star falling and there's some sort of entity's energy radiating out from this source. Mm-hmm. Um, what that entity is, I had it a theory on and then was casually reminded that my theory is incorrect based on alignments. Uh, <laughs> so uh, my original theory was Tiamat, um, which I based on the five colors being shown and the idea that this is all about chaos, but Tiamat's actually lawful, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, not oh. chaotic, which I completely forgot about at the time. Mm. Tiamat got a goal. <laughs> and she is very, very devoted to that goal. Girl boss. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Hashtag girl boss. <laughs> Tiamat's a girl boss. Um, oh, man. Uh, I, have, I have a theory. Um, I kind of blurted it to chat like right after the session because I just like it hit me out of nowhere Uh, I have told Serenity but I'm not going to say anything other than it is completely different than anything else has been mentioned because it's actually a thought that Perry also has I'm waiting to let her reveal what she's thinking okay um but it is completely different it is completely different than anybody else's theory um and it's probably way off base um because we never, we're never right. We're never right. And it that's the be. best part. It could be. I mean, if I am, it'll be a really cool, 
gotcha <laughs> moment. Um, yeah. And I kind of hope I am, but I kind of think I'm not. Um, but it does have a lot to do with the colors and the number of dots. Mm-hmm. Um, I also kind of do think that it's definitely some kind of like, it does seem like something that is spreading like an entity that is corrupting something. Mm-hmm. But I think it has to do with more than that. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if Perry is in a proper mindset to actually say what she's thinking because she has not processed the fact that there are dead ocean around her yet um as she is just now really calmed down mm-hmm. and that is something that's going to kind of break her just a little bit yeah. even though she had to defend herself and she knew that they were not going to back down this is the second time she's been surrounded by dead ocean it is yeah. um, really this time it's she held her claw a little yeah or by Um, her paw yeah um her claws literally both times um so Mm. yeah she hasn't processed that yet so we'll see if she processes that before she says her theory Mm -hmm. fun stuff for next episode (laughs) Um, tune in friday tune in friday for um emotional trauma as always (laughs) okay just a little bit yeah serenity dming yeah (laughs) it's what the fans love um okay so we're gonna move on to our topic for the day which is newbies and introducing them to the wonderful wacky world of dnd um so the first question is who introduced you guys who or what oh gosh Mm. who did introduce me to dnd go back through the annals of history throw your minds back i think it was my best friend from high school actually hmm. i kind of always known about D, just as like a f- pop culture phenomenon mm-hmm. but that was probably the first time i ever played and it was right after high school i think it was the summer i graduated um he invited me over to his house to do like an introduction uh, session just some little like one-off one-shot module kind of thing and I think it was second edition I want to say oh yeah that is uh, a rough intro yeah yeah I mean you know, still here. it is a wonder you're still here um uh and the one thing I remember from that session was I was playing a ranger and he was a shaman or something I want to say um and then it was his friend that was dming for us mm-hmm. and he already knew everything that was going on in the module so he naturally led my character to every trap and had them spring it and the one trap i remember was there's a bed and i wasn't gonna look under the bed and he's and he in character was like oh you should really look under the bed maybe there's something on there and i'm like okay and i look down and it's some sort of acid spraying beetle and it gives me minus one charisma oh no so now i have acid burns on my face <laughs> Oh, Man, second that, edition. Like, rock, fuck you up. Second edition stat, stat trashing. I mean, just. Hmm. I want to say I got a vague introduction to it from a boyfriend in high school. Um, because mm-hmm. they were playing. I want to say they were playing both D and D and also Shadowrun. Um, and I wanted to get in and was probably told it was too much to teach me. Um which was shitty. And then I discovered that my father had played D&D for like years. Like 
with my grandmother and my my grandmother used to dm um and like my uncle and and several family members and like i still have all of their old character sheets because my dad just one day hands me a set of dice a copy of the forgotten realms lore book and a metal clipboard binder one of those old school ones that like opens up full of crappy old AD&D stuff and like their characters and shit. Like their literal drawings of my father's ranger who was definitely a ripoff of Aragorn. Um, and like my grandmother's wizard named Merlin. Um, so I kind of got into that and then I wanted to play and there was no one to play with um, until I started hanging out with Chad and we mm -hmm. had a few people that we played with and then it just kind of spiraled out of control from there. As did our romance. Aww. <laughs> gross. <laughs> no, even when the gross couple aren't, aren't on together, you get, still get the vibes. <laughs> They're a package deal, sadly. That's a cute story, though. It's like in the family. Yeah, it's. I mean, and I was surprised because my grandmother used to tell me stories about how, like, when she was at she where when she was at work, like her coworkers were very upset by the idea that she was like leading her children through Dungeons and Dragons because this oh, is like, like satanic, satanic panic, panic times, yeah. man. Oh man. man, my dad's a my dad's a freaking boomer, so. Like he was in deep in the satanic panic years playing D and D. That must have been such a weird time to play D and D. Yeah, because also yeah. like my grandmother was and my, that that side of the family was like kind of really religious. Mm -hmm. So like I I often wonder and I sometimes want to ask her like, did you have to like hide this on Sundays? <laughs> like did did y'all like not tell anybody? Because um y'all were supposedly summoning demons back then. <laughs> That'd be so weird. Like, can you imagine people thinking that you're summoning demons when you know you're just rolling dice and being a dumb nerd? I just, yeah, that's 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 the funniest part to me. I'm imagining like classic nerd button-up t-shirt with a collar, thick glasses, rolling rolling pretty math rocks, and people thinking, oh, they're summoning the demon. I I just want to do Dark my ritual. math game here. Can I just do my math? Game? I just I okay. I mean, the thing is, though, my dad wasn't like a super nerd. My dad was a uh, like a freaking street racer jock. Mm -hmm. My dad has always been a hot rudder. He played football. He was cool, but he also played D and D. In secret. Um, In secret. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I love how you both have like classic D and D stories because my D and D story is I got introduced through podcasts, and I just went on Roll Twenty to find a group, and that group was Serenity, was the group that I uh, met Serenity in, and we immediately started streaming. So it's a very modern story. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like 23, so later in life. Um, ancient. Cool. Um, so how, you so, you both sort of mentioned this a little bit, but how aware were you of D&D, like, before you started playing? Uh, I knew it was a thing. Uh, I knew it involved dice. Um, you know that that a lot of the original uh, 
methodology was based off of things like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I had no idea how you played it. I had no idea what the stats meant or anything like that. I went into character builder section and they were like, what do you want to play? Something that has a bow and arrow and shoots arrows real cool. Okay, you're <laughs> going to play a ranger. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> And then they told me, sure. you know, you get like you get like a pet as a ranger, and I'm like, okay, what can I get? And I like looked through the options, like I could get a unicorn as a pet. Oh, can you get a unicorn as a pet? Can you still do that? In I, second no. edition, you could. These not, not masters do. You could get a reflavored unicorn. Not probably. get unicorn beast companions. In. Oh. Um. You could get See, a I horse with a traffic any cone. knowledge. <laughs> a traffic cone. Where are you going to get a traffic cone, huh? I think nice. that's the bigger obstacle. <laughs> I mean, I me, I didn't have any knowledge. That was the thing. Like most of the most of the nerds where I wa- was, most of the hardcore nerds, all played Magic the Gathering, which was something mm-hmm. that, as a poor kid, I was never going to be able to get into because it's a very expensive hobby. Um. But, like, I just kind of stumbled into it. Like, they were sitting around rolling dice and playing pretend. Um, I'm like, this looks interesting. Let me get in on it. No, no, it's too complicated. Turns out not that complicated. Um, I literally opened the PHB and I was like, okay. So I roll these dice and I write down these numbers. And then I assign some stuff. And now I am a devil? Fun. Love being devils. Okay, awesome. Um, so if someone asks, if you're in the position where you are the person introducing one of your friends to D&D, how on earth do you go about explaining this game in a way that makes it seem accessible and fun? Because you're saying it's not that complicated, but it seems complicated from the outside. There is, the outside. there is like some homework involved um and this is something that happened to me because uh, i got contacted by someone like one of the discords i'm in like asking me for a dnt primer and i was like uh, <laughs> i don't know why you're asking me um but they were like so what's the first step and i was like well the first step is homework you have to familiar familiarize yourself with the mechanics and vibes of the game so here's some books um <laughs> get the essay on my desk by 3 p.m um and I was asked like how long does a standard campaign go and I was like at least a year and they were like really and I was like yeah really (laughs) um and when you're like forever yeah yeah and when you're you're, like entrenched in D&D it stops seeming like arduous Mm. or confusing or intimidating but there is I think that initial hump for people who are trying to get into it so like how do you explain it I I go the complete opposite direction honestly I don't start with mechanics at all because mm-hmm. uh, I know that's always going to be the part that people don't buy into. Oh, well, you see, you roll this many dice this many times, and then you put these stats into this and this, this. I say, what do you want to play? What do you want to be? And from there, I kind of guide them. Okay, you want to, you want to be something that hits things hard. Okay, well, you could be a fighter who you know specializes in martial skills and abilities. Um, you could be a barbarian who's super beefy and tanky, who likes to take a lot of hits and then dish out a lot of damage back. Or, you know, oh, you want to be a, you want to be a caster. You want to go full into the, I want to be a magic user and pew pew magic missile and all that. And then I just kind of try and guide them. Okay, well, what kind of magic do you want? 
So I, I go with the create a character first vibe, mm -hmm. and then I tell them how to play the character and how to make the character through the rules. And, and sort of through that, I introduce the more numbers, yeah. the, complicated, the math part. <laughs> And I, and I help them through it. Like, I, I don't just like say, okay, you do all of this. I actually help them. Okay, so you take these dice and I, you know, hand them the dice they need and you just roll it. What did you get? Okay, so put that, you know, since you're going to be yeah. playing a, a, a cleric, this is a really high number. Put it in your wisdom because that's what determines how your spell casting mm -hmm. works. Yeah. So I mean, I kind of do the same thing, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of the least daunting way to do it, honestly. That's kind of how we do it here, too. Like, I, I introduce a single mechanic. I hold up a d20 and say, when the DM asks you to roll something, roll this. You will have a sheet that will tell you what to add to it. I set that aside and say, what do you want to be? Like, tell me tell me what, what fantasy mm -hmm. thing you want to do. And we Too will content. build you something that can do that. Um, because like we introduced my brother's girlfriend to it and she's really shy and really quiet. And I asked her, do you want to hit shit really hard? Like really hard. And she's like, yeah, yeah, no, that's what I want to do. I was like, you want to be a barbarian then let's make you a barbarian. Mm -hmm. And like, we just went down the list and then, and then we get to the more complicated things like, okay, here's the scary ass character sheet. Literally though, once you fill it out, all you're doing is rolling this D20 and doing what your character would do and move on from there. And then like those first few sessions are gonna be rocky. You're gonna like, combat's gonna take forever because you gotta like show somebody, okay, no, 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 okay, you're gonna roll this to hit. And then if you hit, how well did you hit? Did you crit? Did you roll a 20? Mm -hmm. Okay. But then uh, oh, here are your damage dice. This is when you roll these little dice. And mm -hmm. oh, no, no, you're never gonna worry about this D100 because you're not a cleric. <laughs> um, never comes up. And it, it hardly ever comes up. If it does, it's because something crazy is happening and there is a percentage involved. Um, because otherwise, I mean, if you hand somebody a freaking bag of dice and that blank character sheet and say, here, read a book, it's going to turn people off. Like, I know a lot of people who won't get into it because building a character is too hard. Because it is confusing if you don't know setting do all it. of this up is a lot. And I mean, it's it's always worth it if you're in a good group. But I've, that's I, the, I, yeah, go sorry. ahead. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, I've actually helped people join and uh, get, gotten them to play games of it. And the, the thing I always get back from them is, it's interesting, I like it, but uh, not, even, not even the math problem, it's, it's the time commitment these days mm -hmm. at least mm -hmm. you know when you're younger and you're a, you know you're you're a kid doing this kind of stuff like you have all the time in the world it feels like yeah. so everybody can do it it's just a question of when can we meet up but nowadays it's like i had a i had a friend i got into D, &D. i actually got her playing with uh our wednesday group and she mm -hmm. ended up bowing out of it just because she didn't have the time she started uh i think it was her master's degree um and she just had no time for it anymore yeah yeah and then when she started carve out time for things <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and then when when i when she, she started like finishing up her coursework's i you know asked her like are you interested in coming back we can you know get you back into the game and she's like i just, I just have too much stuff 
Yeah. She's trying to, she's trying to become a teacher like I am now. So she was doing like, you know, after she finished her coursework, she was doing like her student teaching and stuff. So, mm-hmm. and now COVID, like, it's like, who has time for anything anymore? <laughs> We're all at home. I know, we have no time to do here. anything. Exactly. Exactly. Because yeah. I mean, not only are you like, okay, well, I'm going to devote like a good session might last four hours plus a break in between. Like, I mean, we always are like, okay, well, we're going to start playing here. And if things are going really well, we may lose track of time and it's midnight now. Mm-hmm. Um, oops. And we're so all old, so we can't go dead that late without feeling like crap the next day. Yeah, next morning, it's like 2 a.m. You've gone to bed, you wake up at 6. I'm dead now. <laughs> um, you're, you're not only devoting like four hours of your week but then it's like do you you know a a good group is going to meet like once or twice a month or you know i play three times a week every week it's Mm -hmm. a lot of time it's time i enjoy spending but it's a lot of time and there are times when i'm like okay well i guess i don't do this because i'm playing D &D tonight Mm -hmm. um so like that commitment can be a huge barrier I mean, some people just aren't into the make-believe aspect. I have lots of friends who are like, tried it once and like, I can't, I can't do this. Like I can't spend four hours pretending to, to be an elf. I'm like, I get it. Meanwhile, I'm perfectly content to spend six hours being a tiefling. It's fine. Um, but like a lot of people, like that aspect is really weird for people. Like the idea of, of playing pretend in their like late 20s early 30s so they're like mm, i'm a grown-up but that's my thing like i want to be doing this because it's like the least grown-up thing i can be doing is putting on a silly voice and pretending to be yeah. someone i'm not i don't know i would i would make the argument to those people that it's not that different from playing a video game you just have a really 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 robust character creation yeah that's true yeah Yeah, the most robust that's that's really true i've used that explanation many a times before when people don't understand what i'm talking about it's like it's like playing a video game but you are the computer you get to decide what your character does the DM decides how the world interacts with you. You have character. infinite dialogue options. I mean, are you a person who spends six hours on the character creation screen of any any RPG game? <laughs> the DMD are. might be for you because you're going <laughs> to customize this person to be you. Yeah. One of the other things I always tell people I'm trying to get in, like, it's a storytelling game. Like, don't even think about it as like playing pretend or as a video game. You can think of it as just telling a story that you know, four or five other people are telling alongside you. Mm-hmm. And like any good story, you don't necessarily know how it's going to end. You know how you want it to go, but there's going to be all the problems that your character comes across. And the best part is you don't get to decide it. You get to see how your character reacts to it. That's a pretty good way to put it, honestly. It's a whole, it's a holistic thing. Um, yeah. Cool beans. So if you are a DM or even a player, like bringing um, a new person to the table, like what would, 
what level of familiarity would you expect them to have before they started playing? Like, would you prefer to teach them absolutely everything like during an intro session? Um, would you want them to like at least glance at the books first, like load work? Hmm. I guess it depends on what I'm doing. If I'm trying, if I'm a DM trying to recruit a player, that first time I talk to them is all 100% what kind of character do you want to play? Okay, let's make it. Let's put it together. Mm -hmm. um, and then in terms of like the rules and things like that, I don't normally like give them a book to read and go through it. I give them like the Spark Notes version. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily at the same time we're doing character creation unless they have a question about what does their character do. But at like a later point, I'll talk about because I've actually had people ask me, well, what can I do? And I, I sometimes I simplify it to just whatever you want. I could go punch More a guard. <laughs> yeah, you could go punch a guard right in the face right now. Go do it. And they go and punch the guard in the face. Okay, you punch the guard in the face. He's now going to try and arrest you. I try to resist. You know, and you just, yeah. you just tell them, like, yeah. no. There, I, I, I focus, like, don't worry about rules and what the books say you can do. Because at the end of the day, there's that one little sentence in every book. These are guidelines, not hard rules. Do with it what you will. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's hard to expect somebody to roll into a session, like somebody new, to roll into a session and know even the basic rules a lot of times. Because the basic rules are a little bit complicated. Like you've got, okay, well, your turn is action move bonus action if you get one, but only if you get one and you only get Maybe one reaction. Yeah, maybe also a reaction. Yeah. Um, but you only get these if the thing says you do. Um, so for me, a lot of it boils down to understand what you're getting into a little bit. I will explain, you know, okay, well, this is how your turn is going to work in combat. Mostly, though, you're going to do whatever the fuck you want. Just be aware of the consequences. Mm -hmm. And also be aware that the dice is going to tell you whether you sucked at it or not. Um, because yeah, you can perform in front of this audience as a level one bard. You could also roll a nat one and they're going to start throwing tomatoes at you. I'm sorry for your loss. Um, right. it happens. Um, but because these books are so daunting and I keep glancing over because we have like almost two shelves worth of books mm -hmm. between like standard D and D and then like additional stuff for other, you know, other people who make stuff for D and D. The rules are ever changing and your DM is gonna modify things. You know, some people don't believe in the rule of cool. Those people are kind of lame, but some DMs don't rule of cool. Mm -hmm. You know, some DMs are like, no, the rules say this, you're not gonna get to do this cool thing because the rules say that's not how this works. But other DMs are gonna be like, oh, oh you wanna do this trick shot? Mm, okay, roll the dice. If you roll really well, I'm gonna reward you for it because you were creative. Mm -hmm. um, but like a lot of stuff boils down to who is running this campaign and who is a part of this campaign. So like you can say, okay, well go read the player's handbook. And um, also if you wanna play something really crazy, here's Mordenkainen's um, and here's Xanathar's, bye. Um, come back when you've read it all. And that's going to turn somebody off. But like, if I'm yeah. sitting here, that's what session zeros are for. If you've got newbies, session zeros are vital. 
because then you can sit down and go, okay, well, let's, let's talk about how to get you started. Let's, let's get you into the world and let's get you into the rules. We'll run a micro session. So you understand the basics. And if you've got a question, ask me, cause I'm not going to judge you. Cause I was new once too. I too once tried to bonus action, do something that I couldn't do. We've all tried that. I too have moved without knowing that there was going to be an attack of opportunity. Um, I'll let you retract that once. Now, you know, move mm-hmm. again out of melee and see what happens to you. Um, yeah. I feel but like I think that's what session zeros are for mm-hmm. a, a lot with newbies is teach them the basics and then be willing to be willing to stop for a minute and explain a complicated rule. It's not hard and we need more people to play with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're I hate all of you. No, all of you actually. Uh, um, yeah, no. But like the the, yeah. the 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 hobby needs more people. It always needs more people. It needs more diversity. And the way to do that is to welcome new players, especially new players who've never seen the stuff before or have only been exposed to one podcast and like, that sounded cool. What if I played? Mm-hmm. Sure, come to my table. Table's always open. Um, also, I think it's important for like something that would, is to emphasize the fact that nobody really understands 100% of the rules. Because mm-hmm. if you change a bit, you can't remember all of them. You need to reference stuff. Like I've been playing D&D for like five years. I still don't 100% know how spell preparation works. <laughs> That's why I always play warlocks and stuff. Because um, you never have to prep them. Because <laughs> you never have to prep them. Um, but yeah, so um, to do. So actually um, jumping off of that concept of like a session zero, I've actually seen it suggested to have like when you have a lot of new players um to have like an introductory arc in your campaign kind of like a tutorial um arc for a smart video game what do you guys, yeah what do you guys think about that idea uh 100 smart 100 i remember trying to get a um a campaign going for my best friend uh and my cousin's fiance and I think like two other people, I can't remember who else. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the, some of them had never played before, but they had, they knew about it and they wanted to. So I, I could, I had an entire like session one plan in place of, you know, here's all the story beats that are going to happen. Uh, I did session zeros with each player individually, and then they all kind of met up. And it was this whole little quest of part, you know, all, all the different flavors of, uh, you would get in a session role-playing, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. interacting with PCs, interacting with NPCs, uh, some mystery, some, uh, you know, puzzle skill challenge kind of stuff, all that kind of thing. And that's what I always try and get with my, my first full session with a group, especially with new people. And if it's all new people, I would probably make like an entire mini campaign that's all just let's get to know the rules Mm -hmm. it's straightforward stuff let's not worry about you know leveling up or anything like that you just well i'll tell you when you get new stuff and let's go with it i mean personally i really like the idea of an intro arc most video games come with a tutorial to get you Mm -hmm. through like maybe your first quest so you know okay we set up like 
we've got a quest that I think is going to take like five sessions. That's long enough for us to like run through the basics and anything that gets mm -hmm. complicated, we can stop and talk about. And by the time we get to the end of this arc, you should be able to level up because honestly, level one and two is kind of boring. Level three is where you get to do the fun stuff. Yeah. And honestly, I think that's one of the things that a lot of newbies have trouble with is like you drop in as level one and you don't really get to do a lot. Yeah, you've like and you don't have points, any hit you points. <laughs> you can't do shit. You're going to have like 10 hit points to your name and your AC is going to be balls. Mm -hmm. that, that is 100% why I always level up after a, a, a session zero mm -hmm. because it also gets some practice with, okay, well, what happens when I level up? Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. do I need to do? Okay, I, I look at the book. I add the things that it tells me to add and I, I roll this die and I do this thing. Mm-hmm. So they all, they have more stuff going in. And then by the end of that sort of introduction, that's usually when I give them level three. And yeah. I explain like, mm -hmm. this, this is when you start playing. Level one and two are, you know, they're the training wheels. They're, is your character, I don't want to say built enough, uh, but is your character able to survive the early trials that would be set any adventurer who's new to this? you know traveling and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff i mean there's something to be said to it for an intro fight a bunch of goblins that are bothering a town arc i mean Basic, you, classic you know if, i mean if all else fails a micro to quest to a get your party acquainted with each other mm -hmm. and Go kill B, the swarm of rats <laughs> swarm of rats i mean honestly something something small that you think they can beat in combat that's just challenging enough uh -huh. and 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 some, some skill challenges an angry goose <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't think i could fight a goose so i wouldn't as a farm girl i would run no. from a goose. Yeah. i would flat fucking run from that thing because it's gonna bite the shit out of me yeah the barbarian charges into battle and gets carried off <laughs> Oh, wonderful. Okay, um, real quick before we end, is there an, like, is there any really, 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 really should avoid <clears throat> when you're trying to, there is my voice for some reason, when you're trying to bring something into D&D? Like something, is it like, do you just absolutely want to avoid giving them a whole stack of books? Do you not want to scare them off with explaining too much of the mechanics right away? Like what to avoid? Never tell them what they can't do. Mm. Always tell That's them what they can one. do. That's a really good one. Um, I mean, I would also say, like, try to avoid, I mean, and some dumb shit could happen, but, like, try to avoid killing your level one player if they're yeah, an intro. To, well, I mean, because I've, I've known people who have gone into games, gotten killed in the second session because they're only level one, and not come back because it's not fun. I think one of the things that you need to avoid is sucking the fun out of it by being so don't don't be a hard ass with your newbies they're not mm -hmm. going to be able to handle it someone like us who's been playing for five years okay well my character <laughs> okay, uh some of us still cry when our characters die and that's okay um what i have been that person i will not be ashamed mm -hmm. um but you know when you've been playing for a long time, a hard-ass DM's not as scary. But when you start with some new people, don't don't throw a dragon at them. 
early on. And I know that seems extreme, but like, don't throw something in that they can't beat. That you have to have too much of an escape valve for them to survive. Because if you start killing them off before they can have any fun, they're not coming back. Mm -hmm. One thing I would add to that is you could throw a dragon at them, but make sure they're not dying to the dragon. Make sure they're aware of, oh, but run from cause it because that because that, that that could be that it's moment that's like oh my gosh this is terrifying there's a yeah. dragon breathing fire and that could be the moment where they finally buy into it yeah that's and true. get that sort of deep personal connection with the character and at the last minute they're saved by you know the level 20 paladin who puts his shield up yeah. in front of them that and... that's a fair that's a fair point and a, and a good explanation of what i was trying to say yeah because yeah, yeah. like my thing is don't throw <laughs> tiamat at them do not drop yeah, tiamat yeah, yeah. from the sky do not throw a tarask at your clown shoe characters who've never played before <laughs> um but yeah you can do jake makes a good point mm -hmm. a a big moment in those first couple of sessions where shit gets real but you're okay mm -hmm. can set the tone for a story that lasts you a year and a half cool um wonderful okay Thank you guys. That is our time for today. It's been wonderful, just like always. Nice little quiet, you know, back to regular after last week. That was actually really fun. We should do that again fun. sometime. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you everyone for watching, uh, tuning back here week after week. Make sure to tune in on Friday um, for Perry's emotional collapse and other people's <laughs> emotionally emotional collapses too, probably. <laughs> to look forward to. Um, Stick tune around in next time for PTSD. Tune in next time. Mm -hmm. um. Yeah, then tune in next time, next time to see us talk about that PTSD. Uh, then, yeah, we've got links and resources um, after the end credits. Uh, thank you to Lady Meows and Sunbird for our wonderful music and wonderful logo. Thank you to the fans. Thank you to you guys for being on my show again. And have a great night, everybody. Night, y'all. Night, everybody.